Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Chloe, for serving us on this Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to look in Luke's Gospel this evening. If you've got your Bibles, want to turn there. Uh, we will focus on a, uh, a, a birth of Jesus narrative, and we're going to get it from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter. So if you want to turn there with me, or if you just want to listen as I read God's Word to us tonight, let's consider the birth of Jesus together. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. This will be the text for our message this evening. And let's hear the word of the Lord together. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. May God grant us understanding of this, his word, on this very special night. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do gather tonight to celebrate um, the most significant event in human history. We, we come to celebrate the most significant birth in human history. Uh, surely our minds, who, who is sufficient for such things? Surely our minds and surely our hearts cannot fully grasp the magnitude of what I just read and what we just heard. But would you just be so kind and so good to us tonight that you by your spirit would illumine our hearts and illumine our minds and give us fresh understanding uh, into the incarnation God becoming a man, Emmanuel, God with us, God's very own son, fully human yet fully God, would you grant us the grace tonight to not only understand it, but to believe it and to delight in it. And Lord, we will be quick to give you all the thanks and praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is good. Uh, to share with you, I welcome those who are here from uh, Williamstown, and let's just get the full disclosure out there. Uh, for those who uh, came from Joy Williamstown this evening, uh, you are familiar with that passage because your pastor preached it last Sunday. As I was walking into the office with Ben, I think it was on Wednesday or uh, Thursday this week, I just asked Ben, so what are you doing for Christmas? He says, ah, I'm just doing kind of the angels, the proclamations. And immediately I knew I was in trouble right there. And uh, so I said, you do Luke 1, you know, Mary? He says, yeah, I preached that one last Sunday. So you're getting a, uh, if you want to hear a really, really good message, I'm not being self-deprecating, you want to hear a really good exposition. Ben had 50 minutes to 55 minutes. I got 20 tonight, 25 minutes. It is a wonderful, wonderful message. So Joy Williamstown, 
I, I pray and I hope there's something fresh and new for you. Joy Pittman, those who are visiting with us uh, tonight is really, it's just like, it, Ben's was like a full course meal. Mine seems like, like a dessert or something, a really good dessert. But we'll, uh, we'll trust the Lord that he has something in store for all of us as we uh, share tonight. But just the supernatural, I, just, I was just captivated by just the supernatural is just kind of all over this passage. We have, we have an angel coming and appearing to Mary. And I just got to thinking about angels. What, what do we think about angels? And we know just to define an angel as a messenger. All right, so we have an angel, and this is Gabriel. Gabriel, earlier in the book of Luke, is talking about he, he stands in the presence of God. Angels are scary, if you will, because they dwell in the presence of God. They are holy angels, and they are radiant angels because they spend a lot of time in God's presence. And they're messengers. They're not like me writing out a message to share. They say what God tells them to say. So this angel is not bringing his message. The angel is bringing the very words of God to this young woman about this child she will have. So before she conceives and before she has this child, God, if you will, declares the gospel of his son to a woman, a young woman in Nazareth. We have God's very words about his son this evening, and that's what I wanted us to focus on. And God, if you will, is going to tell Mary, and he will tell us tonight who this son really is and who this son will be. Before the baby's conceived, before the baby is born, God tells a woman who Jesus is. And who Jesus will become. And I wanted us to consider that this evening. I, I can't do the whole text. I'm just going to take part of the text. But I'm still going to try to work four things in really quickly. I, I want us to consider four things from this text. The, the angel tells Mary, God says, he will be great. His, his coming will be glorious. His kingdom will be gracious. And his reign will be good. I borrowed something that some of you are familiar with. His, his life will be great. His coming will be glorious. His kingdom will be gracious. And his reign will be good. Let's look at that this evening. The, the account just begins right there. First, his life will be great. The, the word of God says in verse 22, he will be great. Now, now great isn't great to us because we just say great about everything. The, the dessert we just had was great. That pie I just ate, well, that was great. That football game we watched, it's a great. We use great so much, great isn't great. All right? We ascribe greatness to things. That's not what God is doing here. He will be great. We don't ascribe greatness to Jesus. He is great. And the angel is saying to Mary, Jesus will be like no one that has ever walked this planet he will do things that no one else has ever done he will say things that no one else has ever said his life will be the greatest life that's ever been lived and it was john's gospel concludes uh with the words that if if that if we were to write down all about the amazing thing that jesus said and did that if we were to write down that the world itself could not contain all the books that could be written about who this man is and what this man 
accomplished. All the books in all the world couldn't contain it. That's how great Jesus is. Again and again, we read in the gospel accounts, he spoke as one with authority. Not like the religious teachers of his day. He imparted divine wisdom in all that he said. Every word he uttered was perfectly and completely true. To hear the words of Jesus are to hear the very words of God. His miracles attested to his power over every sphere of life. From raising the dead to casting out demons to walking on water, Jesus displayed absolute control and dominion over his universe. His greatest miracle is that he himself was raised from the dead. He willingly laid down his life and took it up, up again in resurrection power, shattering the bonds of death and the bonds of sin and the bonds of the grave. He is the greatest child ever to be born, the angel tells Mary, by saying that he will be great. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 3, uh, that, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And just to comprehend a human being, this child and this boy and this man, he, he is the radiance of the glory of God. All of God's perfections will be put on display, on display perfectly and always in Jesus' life. I just have to stop and wrestle and try to somehow get this small puny mind around realities such as that. All God's desires, all God's thoughts, all God's words, all God's responses, all God's actions, all God's kindness, all God's wisdom, all God's goodness, all God's power will be seen and revealed through this child. That's what our text tells us. His life will be great. And it goes on to say his coming will be glorious. His coming will be glorious. Verse 32 says, he will be called the son of the most high. He will be indeed the son of Mary, but he will also be the son of God. The most high refers to above all else, the, the, the supreme one, the exalted one, stressing his majestic sovereignty over all things. He is above all. All else, the word of God says. Well, how can this be? Verse 35 speaks of how the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary and how, how the power again of the Most High will overshadow her. Therefore, Jesus will be called Holy, the Son of God. We think about becoming holy or we think about something that's set apart. Jesus is inherently holy. He is the Son of God. And just to begin to ponder and dwell that, on that reality, Jesus as, the, as Lord most high, all the power and all the glory of the Almighty dwelling in him. Possibly Colossians 1 verse 19 said, it pleased the Father to have all his fullness dwell in his Son. What does that even begin to look like? How, how do we begin to get our mind around all the fullness of God Almighty? Now, yes, we read in Philippians, he emptied himself of some of that glory. But all of God's fullness dwells in his son. 
And I just step back from that and I just begin to what do you do with that? What do you do with Emmanuel, God with us, one walking around us, and all of God's fullness dwells in this one? And, and, and the only response that I could come around, Jesus, Lord Most High, is the only response is, is, is worship. Is the response, the, the appropriate response to this, uh, this man is, is, is worship. Mary, he is going to be one that's worthy of, of, of worship. Adoration, praise, exaltation, ascribing glory to this one. And, and, and that would become a reality. We, we, we read in, in Matthew's gospel in the second chapter, Jim took us through very well tonight about the, the kings, the, the magi that would come. And it's staggering to read it in Scripture, but it's true. It really happened. These magi came from the east, and they traveled hundreds, thousands of miles, we don't know. And they kind of, if you will, barge right into Herod's temple. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. It's a staggering statement. And we know Herod, who Herod was, but they, they come in and they're looking for one who is king of the Jews. And they've come to worship him. And there's discussion that takes place and prophecy is unfolded and Bethlehem is the place. And they travel to Bethlehem and the star goes before them. We know the story, but do we see the significance? They come to a house and Mary the mother is there and the child is there. And we believe, as best as we can understand, he's probably not a baby at this point, but he might be more of a toddler at this point. And the word of God says they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And the word of God says they bowed down and they worshiped him. A little toddler running around a small home, these men traveled thousands of miles to do one thing. They came to prostrate themselves on their faces and to worship him. And that's the right response to who he is. His coming is indeed glorious. Words fail us in the songs that we sing. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Jesus is the son of the most high God, and there is one appropriate response to that. And it's worship. It's amazement. It's awe. It's wonder. And I can just look at myself and talk about myself that we celebrate Christmas, and if there's one thing essential to our Christmas celebration, it's the worship of Jesus. And I do a thousand other things. I never get to the one essential thing because I've got a thousand other things that fill my celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And yet there's only one fitting response. And that is humble, heartfelt worship of this king. Singing his praises is fitting and it's accurate. Gathering his people is fitting and accurate. Oh, might he grant us grace even this evening, if it, have, it hasn't happened, if we've allowed what happened, what I just described to really be our experience, and time seems to be running out, might he be so gracious to us even now? Worship. 
in our hearts him and him alone. Might God be so kind and so good to us. His life will be great. His coming will be glorious. And third, see this evening, his kingdom is gracious. His kingdom is gracious. The angel says to Mary, verse 32, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Mary is from the royal line of David. Joseph is from the royal, not his earthly father, but Joseph is from the royal line of David. Jesus is going to come from the royal line of David, and he's going to sit on the throne of his father David, and he's going to rule over the house of Jacob. Now, what's going on now in Israel? I mentioned to you, if you will, Herod is king in Israel. Herod is king in Jerusalem. There is no king sitting on David's throne. Hadn't been a king for a long time from the line of David sitting on the throne. But the word from God to Mary is he's coming. The the long-awaited king is coming. The Messiah, the, the promised one. God is faithful to his promise. 2 Samuel 7, over and over again, that he promises David, a, a son will sit on your throne forever. And God is faithful to that promise. Now, I want to just pull back real quick, and I just want us to kind of see this a little bit. We have a couple names here. We have David and we have Jacob, and, and we have in this text, you will give him the name Jesus. We have King David. And we have King Jesus. And I just start to think, and i got to think Mary and Joseph have got to think about this. What do we know about King David? King David was, was, the, was the greatest. Now Solomon had his own thing. King David was the greatest king in Israel. It's unparalleled. He, 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 he was a great conqueror. He was a great warrior. He, he, he lived in a palace. He had multiple wives, and he had many concubines, and he had many, many, many servants. He has an army. A vast army. God was so good to David that during David's lifetime, there was peace throughout all the land because David conquered all of his enemies. Peace about the land. He lived in in the capital of Jerusalem. He dwelt in a palace. He had a temple, and the ark was there. And David conquered all of his enemies by defeating them. That's King David. And then there's Jesus. And, and, and we would read, and we know from Matthew's gospel, I'm sure Mary and Joseph didn't take long to get together. Simply Mary has told you to give him the name Jesus. Seems out of the box. His name should probably be Joseph as a boy. His name is going to be Jesus. And Joseph probably enters the discussion. He not only said to name him Jesus, he said name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And here she is with this news, and her and Joseph are processing it, and they're saying he's coming, and his kingdom is going to be a different kind of kingdom. He's coming to forgive the people from their sins. How's that going to work out? Well, let's just keep it in the context. What would Mary and Joseph think that that's going to work out? 
You start talking about saving people from their sins. I start thinking about books of Leviticus. I start thinking about the ceremonial law. I start thinking about the law of Moses. I start thinking about a lot of animals losing their lives to cover over sin. That's what I'm thinking about a king that's going to save their people from their sin. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of bulls and rams and goats and lambs have been slaughtered to cover over sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. They have no idea what God is up to. But this king will be different. This king is going to come and deal with sin. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you tonight, his kingdom is a gracious kingdom. Jesus, David came and he conquered his enemies by defeating his enemies. And Jesus comes and he conquers his enemies by dying for them. It's a gracious kingdom. He dies for his enemies. There's no one on the planet that is good. There's no one on the planet that's worth dying for. There's no one on the planet. God's chosen people, rebellious haters living for ourselves. And Jesus conquers our rebellion. He conquers our hard hearts by coming and dying for us. His people never lived in a repentant, faithful posture. His people never lived with humble hearts, but Jesus would come and he would bring a spirit-wrought, repentant faith and humility. And he would do that not by the law, not by keeping the law. He would do that by coming and dying for his enemies. His kingdom is Gracious, his kingdom is, is unmerited favor. He comes as truly the Son of God, and his mission is to come and die to redeem for himself a people. He, he, he brings a, a gracious kingdom. No one could keep God's law, so Jesus came as the Son of Man and as the Son of God, and he perfectly kept the law of God. To the very last words on the cross, it is finished. Jesus fulfilled and Jesus perfectly kept the law that we don't keep. A life of perfect obedience. And he lives that perfect life, not simply to show us what it would look like, but he lives that perfect life so that we could have a righteousness that is not our own. None can stand before God in unrighteousness, but Jesus lives the perfect life of obedience that we don't live. And by believing on him, that life would be credited to us. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus would die for our sins, grace. And he would bear the punishment for our sins. So not only our guilt, not only our shame, but he would also appease the wrath of God that is against us because of our sins. He is going to have the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins by dying for their sins. And that by simply believing in his work, believing in his good, goodness, 
we credited with his life have now a righteousness to be before God. We, uh, instead of our death, he dies. And he bears our guilt. He bears our shame. He bears the punishment, appeases God's wrath, and he rises on the third day. It's a gracious kingdom. And he speaks to a king that would be coming that would sit on the throne of David and he would rule over the house of Jacob. And it's a gracious reign. It's a benevolent reign. And we can delight in the grace that God shows us in Jesus' coming. He comes and lives a great life. He, 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 his coming is a, a glorious coming. His kingdom is a a gracious kingdom. We are all here tonight because of the very grace of God. And that grace was born. And before he was even born, he tells Mary that he will sit on the throne of his father David and is sitting on the throne of his father David. It's a gracious reign and it's a gracious kingdom. Let me share one last thing with you this evening that he does. His life will be great. His coming glorious. His kingdom will be gracious, and finally, his reign will be good. His reign will be good. I purposely left the ending off of verse 33 there. The ending says forever. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, the word of God says. Text says, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. His kingdom is good. Why? Why is his his kingdom good because all other kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. All other kingdoms come to an end. Presidents rule for four to eight years. They come and they go. Kings might rule for their entire life, but kings die. And kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. His kingdom is good because his kingdom has no end. And I want to say to you tonight that that's really, really good news for people who live forever. Every person that's ever been born of woman lives forever. And it's exceedingly good news that there's a king that will reign and will rule forever. And he is saying very clearly, God is speaking and sharing the gospel to Mary and sharing the, the gospel to us, is that he will be a king and he will rule forever. Good word in Hebrews chapter 9, and just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, a second advent, not to deal with sin, gracious kingdom but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. Jesus is coming again. It is certain in his first advent, he lived the perfect life. He died the death. He was resurrected and raised. And, 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 and a part that we maybe get, we are very right in focusing on the gospel. We are very right in focusing on the cross. We are very right in keeping before you Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. But I want to say there is a great end to Jesus' coming. And that is his ascension and his, his exaltation to the right hand of the throne of God. And he rules and he reigns forever. Sometimes I just need a good reminder. I, I got a, a Jason sent out a text 
uh, to us, uh, the, the elders, and it just kind of was, it, it struck you because it was probably the first time that you saw it and experienced it. I, I had the, the grace through my daughter Joanna and, and my niece Abby uh, Crispin. At, at Glassboro High School, the big finish to the holiday concert is the Hallelujah Chorus. Now, many of you know the Hallelujah Chorus. It's pretty simple. Not a lot of words. Not hard to follow. It's a fairly long song, but it's really good. All right? And Jason sent it out, and it's just the kind of the gospel. And there's many times, four times, I stood in Glassboro High School for Joanna, and she has the concert. They invite parents up. They invite anybody, alumni. If you know the Hallelujah Chorus, get in your part, and we're going to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. And I stand, because people stand for the Hallelujah Chorus. Christians were standing. A lot of people were sitting, didn't know what was going on. They sang the Hallelujah Chorus, public school, Glassboro High School. And I stood there, and I'm just like, what are people thinking? What in the world are people thinking? King of kings, Lord of lords, and he will reign forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. Does anybody stop and think, who are we talking about? There's no king that's over all other kings. There's no lord that's over all other lords. There's nobody that's going to reign forever and ever and ever and ever Yes, there is. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we in this country have the biggest celebration. There's nothing we do all year that comes close to Christmas. We get it all wrong most of the time. But there is no human being, there's no one who's had the impact that Jesus has had. And the the final word, the really good word for us, is he will reign forever and ever, and ever, and ever. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure many of us sit here tonight and we just feel the weight of sin. We feel the brokenness of this world. We feel shame, and we feel guilt, and we feel frustration, and we feel sorrow, and we feel loss, and we feel pain, and we grieve over lost loved ones. And we have the greatest hope imaginable a day is coming real soon he came once and it was a gracious offering he is going to come again and through faith in jesus christ we by his grace will dwell with him it even says we will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever what is your heart aching for this christmas What what is my heart really aching for that we would be able to shed all those things that just make life what it is? Brother and sister, that day's coming. It's coming really soon. All this mess and all this filth, it's actually working for us a greater celebration on that day. But do know that day is coming really soon because Jesus Christ is king over all kings. And Jesus Christ is Lord over all lords. And they might not get it right at Glassboro High School very often, but they get it right when they sing the Hallelujah Chorus because what they're saying is absolutely true. He is king over all kings. He's Lord over all lords, and he will reign forever and ever. And that's exceedingly good news because, brothers and sisters, we are going to live forever. 
And we are going to live in he- forever in heaven in, 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 in eternally increasing joy and love and magnificence and beauty and satisfaction in Jesus. We long tonight to be clothed with greater glory. We long tonight to see him as he is, to dwell in his presence. And one day, because of Jesus' work, he will do all that's necessary to raise us with him. That's the beautiful reality for those who believe. We will live forever in heaven or we will live forever in hell and we have a king who is conquered. And he's conquered graciously through dying and rising again. And his kingdom is exceedingly good. And I want to tell you, we all long for that day. And we stuff it down with a million other things and we fill our lives with a million other things trying to get that joy and that experience of what that other day will bring. We're all longing for that other day. None of us are home yet, but one day really soon we will be. And he's done everything necessary to bring us to that place. He has gone and prepared that place for us. And if he's gone to prepare that place, surely he will come back to take us to be with him where he is. That's the great hope that we have this evening. Brothers and sisters, his life was exceedingly great. His coming was exceedingly glorious. And it's worthy of our worship and our praise and our adoration. His kingdom is a gracious kingdom. He's offering us grace this day. We come to Jesus. If you came here tonight and you don't believe in Jesus and you don't know all the stuff that we've sung and what I'm talking about, there is, there is a Savior that has been born. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. And, and he comes to forgive our sins and he gives us an invitation to receive his good finished work on the cross. He doesn't ask us to follow a law. He asks us simply to believe in him. He's worthy of our believing this evening. He's a gracious kingdom, and his reign is exceedingly good. Oh, that this Christmas, oh, tonight, and as we would go about our meetings, that we would, in increasing measure, experience just how great, just how glorious, just how gracious, and just how good our God is to us in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word tonight. We just thank you for the encouragement of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us a a foretaste of that glory. I I pray that as we would go about our Christmas celebrations, we would just be very mindful. Uh, Why is it we do all that we do? Uh, What are we really celebrating? And I hope tonight just that through your word and through the singing of these hymns, and even as we close out tonight, uh, you would remind us of what a beautiful Savior Jesus Christ is. Uh, Lord, uh, refresh our faith. uh, Give us fresh encouragement uh, as we go about this night and our day tomorrow. Uh, In all things, Lord, our, our desire and our heart, be glorified, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.